to have you here. Um, we're so excited that you could all join us this morning. What a beautiful day the Lord's given us, right? Falls here. Falls here. I, I, I always say this is, this is the best time uh, to have an orange sanctuary, right? In the fall because it just matches, matches everything. It matches everything. Um, a couple of announcements to share with you as we begin our service this morning. First of all, the, we, we had a whole bunch of people that um, placed really, really well at the Gratz Fair. Um, so I was given this, this sheet with all this information. So let, let me share this with you because this is really, really, really cool. Um, Kelsey Dobbin. Kelsey Dobbin. Where are you, Kelsey? There's, oh, you're sitting over here. You knew I was going to read this, and so you move spots, right? Kelsey Dobbin, she had the grand champion market steer. Um, she also had first place market lamb class, first place lamb showmanship, and first place swine showmanship. So congratulations, Kelsey. Maddie, Maddie Dobbin had reserve grand champion market steer, first place beef so showmanship, second place market lamb class, second place market lamb This is like tongue twisters, I tell you. <laughs> second place lamb showmanship and fourth place swine showmanship. So great job, Maddie. <laughs> Ashley Dobbin had first place beef showmanship, first place lamb showmanship, third place swine showmanship, she participated in the FFA Livestock Judging and Skillathon and placed second in the Tri-County area. So great job, Ashley. I'm, I'm not done. This is pretty cool. I'm pretty cool. <laughs> Lennon Miller, Reserve Grand Champion Market Lamb and fourth place Market Lamb Showmanship. All right, now we're, now we're at the Zimmermans, the last two here. Heidi Zimmerman was reserve grand champion doe, junior champion doe, reserve junior champion doe, first and second place doe, five months and under one year. Whew. That is awesome. And then Hunter, Hunter Zimmerman. Hunter, did you write this list? Hunter. Uh, okay, all right. I was saying because Hunter has a whole bunch of stuff under his name, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's great. Hunter Zimmerman had the Grand Champion Doe, Reserve Champion Doe, First Place Doe, five months and under one year, First Place Doe, one year and under two years, First Place Doe, three years and under five years, First Place Breeding Goat Showmanship, First Place Market Goat Showmanship, Third Place Swine Showmanship, and second place swine in class. So congratulations, Hunter, and congratulations to all. Very exciting, really neat. Um, and while we're, while we're on the point of congratulating people, we had a 50th wedding anniversary uh, this past week. Uh, the Bowmans completed their 50th anniversary. So let's, let's give them a round. Praise the Lord, that is awesome. Thank you for, thank you for uh, the example that you guys set. You don't hear of many 50th anniversaries, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, Tim Pritchard has an announcement he's going to make. I feel like we have to clap for you coming up too, Tim, with everything else, right? <laughs> I'm just glad I don't have to say swine showmanship. <laughs> all right, now I need you all to pay attention really close because... We've made announcements before and afterwards people would say, boy, I wish I knew anything about that. So now you're gonna. 
Next Saturday, our Sunday school class has taken on uh, 12 months of serving, and we're more than halfway through it now. Don't ask me. Yeah, I know. I'm just making the announcement. Um, one of the things that we did earlier in the calendar year was a bingo um, day at Polk and at Kinkora, and they were so well received that we've been asked to do another one. Show of hands, how many of you like to play games? Any kind of games? Come on. As long as we're playing to win. Right? right? All right. So next Saturday, we are going back up to Polk to play bingo. Now, I, for one, was not excited about going the first time. But I, as the Sunday school teacher, felt like I probably should make a showing and go. I had more fun playing bingo until I got to be the caller, and then I got really heckled by old ladies who were serious about bingo, okay? I didn't think serious was, yeah, they're serious. All right, so don't show up next week if you just wanna have fun, because there's some serious bingo players. We are going to start at two o'clock. We will meet at the church at 1.30. All right, 1.30, we'll be here. Couple ways that you can participate. Number one, we do need people to come along and help. Okay, we need callers. Um, one of the things that we had a whole lot of fun with, we sat, we had enough people last time to sit with each one of the individual bingo players, and you can't even imagine how much fun that is. It honestly is a blast. So we need people to come along. Um, we need prizes. Because again, these people are serious. They were gonna play dollar cards last time when we ran out of, of prizes. So we need some additional prizes. They can be anything from pencils to cupcakes to New Testaments. Whatever you guys have that you could donate to the cause would be great. Because once the prizes are gone, it gets a little ugly. <laughs> All right? Third, if you cannot be along next Saturday or you don't have something that you would like to donate, we would love your prayers. Um, this is a great opportunity to, to get out and be the hands and feet of Christ to people who you know, maybe cannot get out to church services and things like that. So we'd love to have just your prayers. Um, here's what I would like you to do. A lot of times we have announcements and, and you sit there and you think, wow, that's a great idea. I'd really like to be involved. And then you don't do anything. So please, 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 before you leave today, see Sharon Warner, let her know that you'd like to bring a prize along or that you'd like to come along and be a part of that whole thing. Uh, we would love to have kids. So if the reason that you're saying, well, you know, I don't wanna go along because I have my kids next weekend, bring them. Uh, these people would love to have them there as participants as well. Questions? So I'll see everyone next Saturday for bingo. Oh, praise the Lord. That's exciting. So definitely 1.30, right, Tim? 1.30 here at the chapel next Saturday or in Millersburg at 2 o'clock. Uh, the last announcement this morning on October 22nd, the Revival Encounter Ministry uh, or Encounter Revival Ministry will be here at the church. There's going to be a potluck following the service, and the sign-up sheet is in 
the fellowship hall. Would you pray with me this morning as we begin our service? Thank you, God, for the chance we have to be here. Lord, thank you for um, uh, just things that we can celebrate. Lord, we're thankful that we're able to celebrate your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercies. Lord, we're so thankful for, for the different ones that um, we're able to celebrate different accomplishments. Um, Lord, and, and we realize that it's all because of your goodness and faithfulness. Lord, we ask this morning that you would, uh, Father, open our hearts to what you want us to hear. Father, may the words of the, of the music, of the prayer time, Father, may the words of the message, Father, just ring truth in our ears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us to worship the Lord this morning? Though the tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. Lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in this heart, I will praise you, Lord. Sing it out, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness, I'll dance in the shadows, I'll sing. The joy of the Lord is see you with my eyes let faith arise to you when i cannot feel your hand in mine let faith arise to you god of mercy and love i will praise you lord oh you shine with glory lord of light i feel alive in you in your presence now I come alive, I am alive in you, and there is strength when I say, I will praise you, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength, the joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I'll dance, in the shadows I'll sing. sorrow comes my way you are the shield around me always you remain like courage in the fight i hear you call my name jesus i am coming walking on the waves reaching for your life the joy of the lord is my strength the joy of the Oh, yeah. 
In the darkness I'll dance In the darkness I'll dance In the shadows I'll sing The joy of the Lord is my strength Where, where is your hope found this morning? I hope it's not in yourself because you're going to let yourself down. I hope it's not in the economy because at some point the economy isn't going to do well again. I hope it's not in, in our own strength or in our health because we know that at some time our strength is going to fail and our, help, our health is going to fail. But, but there's one who never fails, our living hope. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living. could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken, I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own, beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. One more time. 
Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe out of the silence. The roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on
Amen. Great singing this morning. You take a moment to turn around and greet those around you in Jesus' name. Yeah, I went to uh, Pastor Bob's uh, office this week, and uh, anytime I have special music, I always want to try to coordinate a song that goes with the message. And I walked in his office and said, so, Pastor Bob, what are you preaching on this week? He goes, confusion. And I kind of went down that road, and it's like, I don't have a song about confusion. So we talked about it for a while and said, let's just sing a song about Jesus. So uh, here is wonderful merciful Savior that led us from that uh, conversation we had earlier this week. And I just feel God led this song 
to my heart, so I hope it's a blessing to you today. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Counselor, Comforter, Keeper, Spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost our way. Oh, we've hopelessly lost the way. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. Hunger for oh, our hearts 
always hunger have been given uh, to me. Uh, before I do that, as you're finding that sheet, let me read a thank you note from Bonnie Bechtel. Uh, she says, thank you, Word of Life family, for surprising me with a 75th birthday and card shower. Now, as you know, a couple weeks ago, we did announce that uh, she was having a birthday and send cards. It was fun and exciting to see what the next card would say. God bless all of you, Bonnie Bechtel. And I believe she said it was over 30 cards that uh, she had received. Um, and so we thank you for taking advantage of that. Also, before I look at uh, the sheet, there's no sermon outline in your bulletin this morning. Um, so if you're paging through uh, your bulletin and you don't see one, uh, it didn't slip out and fall onto the floor somewhere. There is no sermon outline this morning. Now, a couple updates. Uh, Heidi Mace's dad, Terry Weaver, um, he's going to begin chemotherapy tomorrow. Uh, pray that it will stop the cancer from growing with minimal side effects. Uh, so please make that change. Uh, keep that note in mind. Also, John Strawhecker um, learned that this week he did have his knee replacement surgery. Uh, as you know, he had a lot of infection in that knee, and they needed to wait until all the infection was removed so that they could go in and actually uh, replace his knee. They did that this week, and he came home this past Friday. Uh, so please keep John in your prayers uh, as he recovers now at home. And so, Father, now as we come before your throne, we thank you that you are a great and awesome and wonderful God. Father, we have just heard, we have just seen uh, the suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we know, according to Scripture, what Jesus went through. Father, we know that it was a terrible time, so much so that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, he cried out, to his own father. If there's any way that this cup, this suffering, this sorrow can be taken, take it from me. But Father, he of course qualified that with not my will, but yours be done. But Father, he was overwhelmed with sorrow. He knew what was about to happen. Father, as we look at the pictures and we hear the song, Father, we acknowledge that it was, was done for me. Father, Jesus died for me, for each of us. Father, he who knew no sin, he became sin for us. He became sin for us. He was cursed there on that tree. On our behalf, in my place, 
Father, we're grateful this morning that you have saved us by grace. Father, it's not anything that we have done. We could not merit it or anything for it. Jesus did it all. And he died alone. He died alone. Not only, Father, did his disciples forsake him, and not only did his, the 12 apostles forsake him, but, Father, you yourself turned your back on Jesus when our sins were placed on him. He died alone, willingly, lovingly, on our behalf. So, Father, we thank you for the great salvation which is ours, which you have provided for each of us. Father, we who have gone astray, we have lost our way. And yet, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Father, I thank you that we can pray for one another, that you have given to us as believers the responsibility of being our brother's keeper. And part of that, Lord, is bringing folks before you. And so we bring before you Terry Weaver as he going to be undertaking this chemo tomorrow that, Father, it would take care of the cancer with minimal side effects. That was the prayer's request. Lord, that's what we pray this morning. I think of John Strucker this morning, Lord. He has gone through so much. Multiple knee replacements. Multiple hip replacements. And continues to need another hip replacement. We pray, Lord, that you would help him now in his weakness. May he draw on your strength. May you be his refuge at this present time of need. Father, we think of our country this morning. We think of the great divide. And Father, we don't know what this week will hold as investigations will take place. We pray, Lord, that your will might be done. We pray, Lord, that you might oversee, as we know you do, all of these things. Lord, these aren't surprises to you. You know exactly what is taking place. You know exactly what will, what will be done. You know exactly what the FBI will find. And we commit all of this into your hands. And I pray again, Lord, that your perfect will might be done. Father, we thank you for our time this morning. As we can sing praises to your name, as, Lord, we can lift up our voices in prayer, as we mingle with one another and we're able to share our stories and hear how others are doing. Father, we thank you for this special time that you've given us this morning. This is your day. This is your church. We are your people. We ask, Lord, that you might work through your word to change us, conform us to the image of your Son. You're a great God.
God. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, he is a great God, and we're going to sing this morning about him being that great God. How great thou art. Hymn number 32. Leonard's going to come and lead us at this time. Psalms 48 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I'll ask you to stand with me as we sing this hymn, hymn number 32, How Great Thou Art. <laughs>
There were eight survivors after the flood. Millions had perished. But God looked at the world in which he made. Man, which he created in his own image. And he saw evil and wickedness on every side. And God decided to start all over. He decided to reboot and start over with a new family, Noah and his wife, his sons, and their wives. God is patient. God is long-suffering. But there comes a time when God says, that's enough. The people were corrupt. The people were evil. And Noah now will become the new father of mankind. God gave to Noah a covenant. It was the same covenant that he gave to Adam. He said to Adam, I want you to multiply. I want you to increase in numbers. And I want you to spread out and fill the earth. And God said to Noah, now the father of a new world, Noah, I want you to multiply. I want you to increase in numbers, and I want you to spread out and fill the earth. When we come to chapter 10 of the book of Genesis, we discover that part of that covenant was fulfilled. Part of the covenant was fulfilled, not all of it. Because in chapter 10 and verse 1, we read this. This is the account of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's sons, who themselves had sons after the flood. So what part of the covenant did they fulfill? They multiplied. They increased in number. Here we read that the three sons, they had sons themselves. And in chapter 10, what we have is called the table of nations. The table of nations. We have in this chapter seven names of Noah's sons and their sons and sons after them. Seventy names in total who all spread out and became nations. Now I want you to notice something because at the end of each of the names of Noah's sons, Japheth, Ham, and Shem, after the list of names, the sons, it says this. For example, look at verse 5. From these, the maritime peoples, they spread out into their territories by their clans, within their nations, each with its own language. These were the Japhethites. At six, it says the sons of Ham. Then if you go down at the end of this list, in verse 20, it says this. These are the sons of Ham by their clans, and languages in their territories and nations. You come to verse 31. 
And here we have at the end of the list of the Shemites, it says these are the sons of Shem by their clans and languages in their territories and their nations. Japheth spread out and became 14 nations. The Hamites spread out, they became 30 nations. The Shemites spread out, becoming 26 nations. 70 nations in all. But here's my question. Did you notice that the verses that I just read, it said they all had different languages. Now, if you were on the ark with Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives, you would have spoken the same language in order to communicate. Now we read in chapter 10, after the flood, that these sons and their sons, as they spread out and become nations, they all now speak a different language. Why would that be? Why would they all be speaking something different? What caused the languages in the world? Well, we have to come to chapter 11 to answer that question. Before I read chapter 11, let me explain something. Most commentaries believe that in chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, these verses actually precede chapter 10. So as I and we work down through verses 1 through 9 of chapter 11, we need to remember that this came before chapter 10. These verses come before the spreading out of Noah's sons and their sons. These verses in chapter 11 came before the different languages. These verses, 1 through 9, explain how the languages came about and why these sons spread out into parts of the world. So look at verse 1 of chapter 11. It says, Now the whole world had one common language and one speech. You say to yourself, wait a minute. That shouldn't really follow chapter 10, should it? Where the languages have already been established as different. No, I just said, chronologically, we've got to take these verses... 1 through 9, and take them back before chapter 10. Because what chapter 11 does here is explains chapter 10. And what we have in these verses in chapter 11 is the story of the Tower of Babel. Or, let me explain why Dean said confusion, the Tower of Confusion. Because God confounded and confused the languages. And the Hebrew word is belal, which we get our word babel, which means confusion. So let's not sing a song about confusion. We'll sing a song about Jesus. 
<laughs> it's hard sometimes to find songs that match the sermon topic. So let's read. Look at verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As the people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, and they settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for martyr. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower that, that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, if we had a sermon outline, point number one is this. Man's disobedience. Man's disobedience. Remember the covenant. What did God say to Noah? Multiply. Increase in numbers. They did that. But then he said, and fill the earth. God wanted his people on earth to scatter to scatter into all parts of the earth. But here we read, the whole earth had, a, had one language, a common speech. They found a plain in Shinar and decided to settle there. That was complete defiance against the command of God. God said, spread. They said, we're going to settle. God said, move out. They said, we're not going anywhere. And this plain of Shinar, the place they settled, lies about a few miles southeast of Ararat. Remember we said when uh, the, the, the ark landed and settled as the waters were receding, it, it landed and was located at, on, on Mount Ararat. Well, southeast of that was a plain. It was a very flat and broad plain. It was a place very inviting for a people to settle. But God didn't want them to settle. But they decided to settle anyway. I don't know how many years have passed between the flood and Noah coming out of the ark until the Tower of Babel. I read anywhere from maybe 200 to 400 years. We're not looking at a great amount of time. But here we are after the flood. Here we are and we read of a people who decided to settle. God says, Phil. They said, no. God gave them a clean slate. God destroyed millions on, at the time of the flood. Giving Noah and his sons a, free, a clean slate. We're going to start all over again. And here we find, only a few hundred years after the flood, them forgetting the judgment and defying God once again. They blew it. Come on, man. You know, all the way through this series, we read of failures of mankind, those who God created in his very image. Just falling, falling, falling. Even when God gives do-overs, 
and second chances. Doesn't take long until man falls once again. And so here are the people, and they say to themselves, We're going to build. We're going to be builders. Come, it says in verse 4, come, let's build for ourselves. What did they decide to build? Well, first of all, they decided to build a city. It wasn't directed by God. God didn't say build a city. God didn't say settle in this plain. It was a city that they built for themselves. This was not like Jerusalem, you know, the city of God. This was a city of man. This was their city. And in this city, they were going to build a tower. A tower that reaches to the heavens, brick upon brick. This is probably what was found back in these days. Uh, archaeologists, they recovered the, the remains of what they call ziggurats. A ziggurat. Uh, a ziggurat was... Uh, primarily used for religious purposes. On the top of this ziggurat, there was oftentimes a shrine that was dedicated to a god or a goddess. This was a place they were building for themselves, a place of worship, not of God, but a man-made religion. In order that, we read in verse 4, so that, why are they building all this? Why are they building a city and a tower? In order that they might make a name for themselves. They want to make a name for themselves. They weren't concerned about God's glory, but their own glory. They were concerned about their own reputation and their own fame. They want nothing to do with God. It's all about me. And it was pride. It was pride in these people that led them to rebel against God. It was pride that caused them to stubbornly stay in one location and defy the very God that made them. We are going to build a civil civilization right here in the plain of Shinar. And we're not going anywhere. We are not going anywhere. Oh, here's the picture of the ziggurat. <laughs> here's the picture of the ziggurat. You see you know, how it's made. There's a stairway, sometimes goes as you see, or circles the, the tower, and it goes up to the top uh, of the tower. And again, at the top of these ziggurats, oftentimes there was a shrine you know, dedicated to a man-made God. So they wanted to build a city, a tower, not for God, but for themselves. Pride crept into their lives. So how does God react to this? How does God react? Well, look at verse 5. It says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, there is nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. God comes down. God now comes down to inspect. Now, we know God is omnipresent. 
which means he's everywhere. God doesn't have to come down. Um, it's what theologians call anthropomorphic language, uh, which ascribes to God a human body. You know, sometimes in the Old Testament it speaks about God's uh, strong right arm. Well, we shouldn't visualize God flexing a muscle. It's speaking of his power, God's spirit. God has no body. But here it says God is coming down. What does that mean? Well, it's, it, it means that God is coming to act. God is coming to interfere. God is coming to intervene. He comes down and he sees man. Man in his pride, man in his arrogance, man in his depravity, and God comes down. And God says, if I let this go, then there's no limits to the possibility of man rebelling against me. I must do something. I believe God had in his mind, again, a flood situation. That these people have come to a pre-flood evilness and wickedness. And God is saying, if I don't do something now, then who knows where this is going. If man rebels against me here, who knows what they'll do against me. If this arrogance goes on, if they remain united, if they are allowed to, to, uh, to turn against me, there's no limits to what they may do if left unchecked. Have you ever heard the expression, we make our plans, and then God, he laughs. <laughs> Is it wrong to make plans? Is it wrong for you to make plans? Well, yes and no. Here was a group of people who made their own plans. And God says, I've got to interfere. I must do something about that. Is it wrong for you to make plans? Well, in this case, it was wrong because they left God out of the picture. They decided to make their own plans, never looking for God's guidance or God's direction. Turn, if you would, please, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James says a lot about making plans about boasting. In James chapter 4, we read this at verse 13. Now listen, James says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast. You boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Here we find a traveling merchant who takes his merchandise and he's going to go from city to city, 
and trade his goods to others. And he's going to spend a year, and after that year, he's going to make a profit. He's going to make some money. He has it all figured out. Here's what I'm going to do. Just like these building the city and the tower. We've got it all figured out. We're going to build a city. We're going to build a tower. We're going to make a name for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with making plans. James, he's, he's not condemning planning or trading or making a profit. It's that attitude of pride that settles in the heart of man. It's that attitude of pride that says, I can make plans without God. I can do this myself. I don't need God's help. It's not God's will that I do this or that. This merchant says, I am going to do this or that. I'm going to this city or that city. I'm going to spend one year. I'm going to make this amount of money. Nothing wrong with plans, except if you leave God out of your plans. And so James then comes along and says, the attitude ought not be my will, but if you make your plans, make sure you include God. For James says, how can you boast about tomorrow? You don't know what tomorrow even brings, Proverbs chapter 27. Or what about your life? James says your life is like a mist that vanishes or a puff of smoke that just goes away very quickly. Instead of being arrogant and boastful and disregarding God, in all that we do, we must say, if God wills, we will do this or that. Giving recognition to our sovereign, sovereign God. So make your plans, but make your plans with the attitude that you're in God's hands. And give God the right to revise and revoke your plans. You see, we often make our plans and God laughs. And he changes. And he edits. We must include God in the things that we do. And then we come to chapter, verse 7. Verse 7 says, come, let us go down. Remember we just read what the people said? Come, let us build. God now says in verse 7, come, let's go down and confuse, confound their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. And that is why it is called Babel, or confusion, because there the Lord confused world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. When man says, come, let us build, and God says, come, let us confuse, who do you think wins that battle? <laughs> God always has the last word. Always. Always. So God decides to confound their language. Can you imagine talking to someone? You're communicating back and forth, and all of a sudden, that person is speaking some 
foreign language. And you look at them like they are nuts. You know, the word confusion, it, it comes from, as I said, the, the, the Hebrew word baleo. Uh, we get our word babble or babbling. You know, people babble. Have you ever heard people just babbling along and along and along? That's the word here. This is the, a, a tower of babble or tower of confusion. You know, working on a tower, building a city, it involves communication. You have to be communicating to build a city or a tower. Communication in the lives of people is so important, how we communicate with one another. But imagine working on such a project, and you can't talk with one another. Your foreman's giving you orders, and you have no idea what he's saying. And you, as a crewman, you look at your boss like he's just mocking you, just babbling. The Bible says God used this, the confounding of language, in order to scatter the people and fill the earth. And that's exactly what happened. And so you see now chapter 10 and where all those languages came from right here. God gave languages to the people. God made them scatter into various nations. And so this text precedes chapter 10. And here we see the will of man falling to the will of God. It was pride. It was pride in the hearts of the people that challenged God. They challenged God. As God has been challenged all the way through our series, we go all the way back to the beginning and speak about Satan. When Satan challenged God, he said, I will become like the Most High. Eve challenged God. When Satan told Eve, you can become like God if you eat that fruit. And she ate and she fell. Cain challenged God. He challenged the offering that he was to bring to the altar. He brought fruit of his own hands, and God rejected it, and Cain fell. The people before the flood fell. If they had every inclination of the heart evil, there had to be pride in the millions who died in the flood. And now we have the people once again falling before the will of God. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction. Pride. Pride goes before destruction. We must drive pride out of our lives. That attitude of self-sufficiency, that attitude that I want to be my own boss, I want to call my own shots. I don't need God to tell me what to do. I don't need God in my plans. I'm going to do things my own way. Maybe you didn't say that, or maybe you don't say that. But you know, there are a lot of Christians today that live that way. That live that way. That don't want to take 
direction from God. They don't want to listen to the commands of God. They do want to be their own boss and make their own decisions. That's pride. That's arrogance. That's depravity. And God says in Proverbs chapter 8, I hate pride and I hate arrogance. And yet we have seen it all the way through this series, time and time and time again in people. What is the opposite of pride? Humility. Submission to God's kingship. Allowing God to reign and rule in our lives. Bowing before God as our master and our Lord. This is why God has created us. This is why he created us in his image. This is why God gave us a will to freely bow before his presence. To acknowledge him as our great master and Lord. To humbly bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and give God the glory that is rightfully due his name and not take it for ourselves. The song we're going to sing as we close this morning, it says this in the refrain, I surrender all. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. That's an attitude of humility. Bowing ourselves before the Almighty God, saying, not my will, but your will be done. Take your hymn books, if you would, and turn with me to hymn number 373. Hymn number 373. All to Jesus surrender, all to him I freely give. Would you stand with me? Hymn number 373. We'll sing this and we'll be dismissed. Jesus, I surrender all, I freely give, I will ever love and trust him, his breath daily live, I surrender I surrender humbly at his feet I bow leave pleasures all forsaken Jesus take me now I surrender all 
and Savior, surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender make, Savior holy thine. Spirit fill me, may I know thy power I surrender all, surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus. Self to thee, fill me with thy love and power. Let blessing fall on me. I surrender all, surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. Father, we thank you that you are the King of all kings. You're the Lord of all lords. Father, you are our master. You are the Lord. Father, help us to acknowledge that and submit to you, the great God that you are. Lord, we can't make our own plans. Lord, we need your help in every area of life. So, Father, rid us of the evil, wicked sin of pride and arrogance, thinking that somehow we can run our own lives. As this song has stated, Lord, help us to humbly bow and surrender our wills to your will. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.